Welcome to Three Blondes, One Battle. Today, we actually are doing a part two of what we started last week. Uh, we didn't have time to talk about the different uh, ways of managing MS, pharmaceutical, and non-pharmaceutical last episode. So this episode is for that. Um, and again, we're going to remind you all listening and watching that we are not medical professionals. And um, these this is literally our opinion. This is all information that you can find for your own on the World Wide Web. We are just making it easier for you by uh, compacting it all into yeah. a episode. So yes. Tara, Tara yeah. uh, hey. is going to be leading the beginning of this uh, podcast uh, as she was yeah. a pharmaceutical sales rep for Copaxone, and that is one of the injectables. So take it away, Tara. Right, which is kind of crazy because now in the year 2021, we have a lot more MS options, disease-modifying therapies to treat our MS than what we did even five years ago, 10 years ago, it's kind of crazy how the market continues. New drugs are coming on and into the market. Um, yeah, and I just want to say too, like like, but like Nikki just said, I mean, I'm going to talk about these um, drug therapies, um, but know that everyone has a choice to be their own advocate. I encourage all of us to be our own advocates, um, to be the biggest advocate and know that some people are going to choose therapy. Some people are going to choose holistic approaches. Some people are going to do both. Um, and by no means, um, I'm definitely not a medical expert director or nurse. So like Nikki said, we're just kind of laying these out there to have conversation, to talk about, um, yeah, our MS journey and what that looks like. And, um, learning more and being there for one another to support one another. So I just wanted to encourage everyone to be their own advocate. Um, yeah, as we kind of talk about today, the drug therapies and some holistic um, wellness options to manage RMS. Yeah, so with that being said, um, it is, I said, like I said, it's been kind of crazy how the market has really expanded. So the first drug to treat MS had come on to market in 1993. Beta serin was one of the first MS immunomodulating therapies to come on. And so if you were diagnosed with MS prior to that, um, you know, and, and as well, the way neurologist approached it, I mean, they, they kind of gave you that doom and gloom outlook, like, yep, sent you on your way and, you, you know, good luck. Um, and beta serum came on the market and that was the only one that's you was your choice. So whether or not you wanted to deal with what it presented or what the option, you know, that was it, you were, you didn't have other things to, to look at. So in that way, I think there, the, those are some blessings that have come and just, just being able to choose, having more options to choose one that, that might fit in with your lifestyle and what you're willing to assess. Right. Cause that's going to be part of your um, research and talking with your doctor as well, because the doctor is probably not going to choose for you. And so I wanted to put that out there too. Like when you guys go to your doctor's appointment, your neurologist appointment, whoever you're seeing, he, um, and just in my experience, I'm talking to other people with MS and their experience, they're going to say, give you maybe two of these, two of the drugs and say, or three of the drugs and say, choose one. Um, uh, and they usually have one or two favorites that they kind of push, you know, like they, they might have one or two favorites. Has that been, Bobby, I know you have 
been on medication, do you feel like that is probably indicative of neurotic? Completely. Um, I really feel like they do have a set that they feel comfortable with. And I feel like it comes with their own research that they've done, the patients that they see. Um, just it kind of gives them a little confidence because they are able to see what it's doing for their patients. Right. right. But I think the other part too, when it comes to treatments for all of us are different, of course, whatever our circumstances are. But another say that comes into it is our insurance. So there's always a step that you have to do in order to meet in order to go on certain treatments. And sometimes that could be really frustrating for quite a few of us out there because sometimes we're not, we can't go on that certain treatment that we want to go on because, you know, our insurance is telling me you only have these options right here. We'll see how these go. If it doesn't go well, then we'll consider you can go on these treatments. Right. And Bob, you brought up something. I was going to talk about that because I want someone that I just recently connected with through this MS podcast, just got diagnosed and dealt with that exact same thing. So his doctor really wanted him to go on Ocrevus, but he had to go on a different drug, show that it failed because of, because of insurance. And then he, now he started his first dose, uh, last week, but he had to, he, that wasn't, he had to show that, um, he had an allergic reaction to this other one. And then, yeah. So, um, that's definitely obstacle people potentially face with it when you're newly diagnosed. Yes. And you know, it can happen when you switch insurances. Like I have a friend that happened to her. And the one thing I just have to say is don't feel that you're not going to be able to get the treatment that you want. Sometimes you have to jump through loopholes. It doesn't mean that it's going to be the end. Who knows? It might actually work for you, right? but, and you'll be able to really figure out, I guess, the system to make it for you. Yeah. I mean, I have to, yeah, absolutely. You're just going to, like you said, it's about being an advocate and you have to know, you know, you have to be willing to kind of fight with the, you know, be willing to go to bat with the insurance companies and get the information out there and work with your neurologists. Neurologists are typically willing and wanting to work with you more than they, and they want what you want over what the insurance companies want. Yeah. Okay. Let's so move on. So beta, let's actually yeah. move on. Let's move okay. on. But the Sorry, okay. So the, there's four anyway, or so five different types of injectables. Let's talk about the injectables. So Nikki. So yeah. So beta serotonin was the first one and that is still in the market. It's an interferon. And then, um, with the beta serotonin, it's an every other day sub Q injectable. What that means is it's, um, basically, you're, pe- you're penetrating the skin with a needle, but it's only going right beneath the sur- right beneath your skin level, not into your muscle. And so, um, that one, so beta serum, rebif and avonix are all interferons. Beta serum is you can take, um, beta serum is every other day and it comes with potential flu-like symptoms. Those are some side effects. Um, drug induced lupus is also in the PI. Um, and you had to monitor for cardiac heart, uh, with, um, potentially with congestive people with congestive heart failure, but it's more with people with congestive heart failure that would be taking beta serum. Rebif, um, is also a sub Q injectable interference, the same class of drug taken three times a week. So not every other day, three times a week, but they, the, the risk and problems with interference are potential 
um, increased depression um, and suicide. I, it's minimal. I mean, it's every PI is going to say around five to seven percent. Um, let's pause but, for a second. Why? Why do we think that is? Let's let's use our heads together. Why do we think that that right. would cause so anxiety have, or depression? you're already predisposed but when you, I mean, one, when you have the diagnosis of MS, you already, already are potential heightened for, um, maybe depression, maybe, um, for overthinking, yeah, just, for being fearful. Yep. So then on top and of then it, MS, you tell MS somebody also, to give themselves shots every day or every other day, and you don't think that's going to cause depression. I mean, so the, the side effect is kind of a no brainer. Like if you can get past that, fantastic. It will probably work and you probably won't have depression, but all of these injectables, of course, that's a side effect, right? I mean, you're yeah, injecting your body. I know, but the, it, there is a little bit more to the interference causing that because of the way they work um, in the brain. Like Copaxin doesn't have as much, and it's an injectable. So so you have Rebif, Avnex, and Beta serum, they're all the same class of drugs and they're all injectables and then Copaxin as well as, but it doesn't have that um, PI insert uh, percentage of patients increased risk of depression, anxiety. Since so that started in 90, what, four you said? And then do they just keep adding yeah. these other companies on top of it? And are these all still available? All of them are still available and they're all prescribed. They're all still available and they're all prescribed. So, and they um, also, they uh, have come out with generic brands. Like yeah, correct. In years. So, like Papaxon, the generic brand is Glatopa. So, that's something right. new that they've been doing is having uh, generics. So, right. for me, like going through the VA, I was on Papaxon. And it did not go very well for me. Um, so years went by and I went to a different neurologist and because of my circumstances, he felt, um, and he was very shocked that I had such bad reactions to Capaxon. So he decided to do it again, but the VA changed and, uh, they went to generic. So I got the generic. And he figured, you know, maybe this one might be a little bit better. And I tried, it was like a week and a half and I had like the worst reaction ever and I had to stop it. So that's something. About, why don't we talk about reactions? So what, so besides like welting, what, um, what are some sort of reactions that maybe you could have that you need to be an advocate and be like, no, this isn't working for me. I don't want to keep trying. What would some of those things be? So yeah, I mean, for each one, it's going to be different. So for like, for example, Copaxin, probably the biggest one that you want to be like that someone, you know, you want to be like, I don't think I want to stay on this is it could cause flushing, can cause like um, chest tightness and maybe where you feel like you're going to pass out. So like if I were to have it, when I was on Copaxin for 10 years, I did not have that side effect. But if that was the case, if I would have experienced that side effect, I would have definitely probably wanted to go to my doctor and say, Hey, I'm having this and I don't, doesn't seem to be normal. Like, I, I think I, I want to go off of it. I mean, that okay. would be, and then for Abnex, Rebif and Beta Seron, they definitely all have flu-like symptoms. 
because of the way they work. And so, um, so all that the time, have- like all the time, so the rest of your life, whenever you take the injectable, not everyone got it, but the people yeah. that did felt like they felt like they had the flu for the day that took the shot. So Avanex is once a week. So once a week you were guaranteed, you, I mean, if you got it, you were going to feel like you have the flu, you're going to be achy. You were going to feel Sick. fluish, yeah. headache, joint pain, body aches. And so I remember talking to many patients on Avanex. I mean, they, some of the patients, you know, some people felt like the benefits were worth it because they didn't want their MS to progress. And they would say, I'm worth, I'm, I'm going to stick it out. I don't care. I, I guess I'll be down and out for a day and I'm going to continue to take it because this is my only option. Okay. You know, let's talk, they, let's talk about what, okay. So we, it's quarter after we, uh, we got to start moving, but when it comes to these injectables, what are, so say you're trying to convince me because in 17 years, I haven't been convinced. So if you're trying to convince me at this point to take an injectable, I want to know, okay, if I start taking these every week or every day or every other day, I'm going to maybe have 50% less attacks in my life. I'm maybe going to have one attack every four okay. years. Like what, what, yeah. are, how can you convince me no. right now? What does the science say? So I would say, Nikki, that right now the injectables are being prescribed less because in those injectables are around what's about a 30 to 33% relapse rate reduction. And I'll explain this in about two years. So there are studies show that you should go without a relapse for two years, like two to 2.5 years. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you would Copaxin, they would argue that it would be longer but in general the two the post the studies that got them to the market fda approval showed about a 30 percent relapse reduction so you're looking at yeah two every two years so and they want to they want you to show no in your mri as well like okay you're not you're not increasing in lesions you're not having active disease Uh um but some of the newer therapies are showing more robust relapse rate reduction and disease modification. Um, so now you look at, and I'll go into, so let's go, let's transition then into the oral medications. So the oral medications, which there are, um, 10 oral medications, six. So there's five or five injectables, 10 oral medications. And the first two came to market in 2011 and Bobby was on them. And you can, so that was, called fingolamide. It was the first to market. Um, that was the one you went on, Bobby, right? So Tecfidera. Oh, Tecfidera. Okay, Tecfidera. And so they both came out at the same time, the oral medications. Um, they show a little bit uh, more robust relapse rate reduction. Um, yeah, around 40, 40 percentile. Some, I mean, anywhere between the, they say 40 and 50 percentile, the infusions we'll go into in a minute and show a little bit more, but they, um, do you want to talk a little bit about your, uh, about your, Wait, since you went on before it? We, before we get into that, I have a question. So when you say 40 yeah. percent, does that mean, so looking at somebody that's had, um, you know, say we've had MS for a while and we're having an attack every, let's say 18 months or, oh, let's make it easy. That's hard. Let's make it every two years I'm having an attack. So if I were to start oral, 40% means what? That I could go four years or or that'd be 50%. I would go oh, one. Yeah. 
So one right now, neurologists would advocate for you to be on therapy because they say, even when you're, even when you're not having a relapse, even when there's not an active flare an active, um, yeah, lesion that you, there's still, the disease is still occurring. You're still having progression, your disease and may not even know it. And so they, they will advocate that the, the medication slows the, the progression of the disease that's going on, even when you don't even know it or feel yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't believe that. So answer my question, Tara. So if I'm having an attack every two years and I take I'm oral. Not, hey, listen, I'm not a drug rep anymore. I'm not here to. No. No, and I am I am challenging the science. So the science says 40%. I want to know what that means. So like I said, like when the, okay, if you looked at Avonex and Capaxin and Rebif, they have around a 33% relapse rate reduction. It, and all that means is about one chance. relapse every two and a half years. Yeah, so less chance of you yeah. possibly having a severe relapse. Right. So- it's not, it's not saying that it's stopping your progression. It's slowing the process. So it's, it's not saying you're not going to have a relapse, but that relapse might not be as bad if you're on a treatment. Does that make sense? So it's yeah, not meaning the, that yeah, it's but I, I guess the, if I'm confused and I've lived with it for 17 well, years, we're going to have people, hold on. We're going to have listeners that are confused too, because when you throw in a percentage, it doesn't make sense to us. So 30%, 50, and now we're going to talk about the, the infusions. It doesn't. So I just want yeah. I mean, and also just know, like, they're not going to show you the studies even that, I mean, those aren't even on like when you go and research these medications, they're not going to really, they're not going to show you this. I mean, you could find out the studies if you actually, you know, sit and read the, the different. Show you. Huh. Right. They're going to talk to you about that. It works. It's going to, you know, you, they, that it reduces your chances of um, ongoing disease progression and what, and that it's in, in their mind, because they did read the studies and all the studies have to show some sort of, helping like like efficacy in helping your disease limit the amount of times one that you're experiencing clinical manifestation of symptoms but also that your brain is showing that there's not progression on your mri that it's working inside your brain so you're not gonna as a ms patient you're not gonna you you have to i guess you just have to like okay these are fda approved and they're all about, I mean, especially with the new orals, they're all about the same as far as efficacy and even the infusions that it's going to just limit and reduce the amount of time that you get the amount of relapses you get. I mean, okay. All right. So let's move on. So, um, what are the side effects of the orals? So the orals, um, first of all, the fingolamide is um they're dosed orally so it's dosed once a day a lot of times these come before you even take it you have to be with like the fingolamide you have to uh be observed for bradycardia which is heart issues for about six hours um you have to get an ec uh an ecg um and you have also increased risk for infections which is a lot of, with a lot of these orals that you have to have blood work done in CBC panels um, because you have, you're, you're messing with the potential white blood count, the white blood cells and different cells that help 
your you fight infection. So I think those are probably your biggest things you want to like your, your doctor is probably going to talk to you about is blood work, pre pant, pre work, pre, pre blood panels and yeah, uh, monitoring. Um, and so the other uh, potential thing is what's called PML. And that is, um, it's basically um, a potential infection that you can get in your brain that, and you are, you got blood work done, didn't you? Uh, uh, Nikki, you have to get, yeah, you have to show. Yeah, you have to, to see yeah. if you're negative or positive of this virus. Correct. Correct. And it like, I am positive. So I was never able to take, um, to Sabri, which we'll get into. And I was never able to take, uh, Jelenium, uh, Fingolamide because of that. So, and if you're negative, um, then you can, then, you know, they continue to monitor you, even if you are negative. Right. Because um, they can cause it. You can still get the bl- the brain infection, the viral yeah. brain infection with these drugs. So they have to still take your blood and make sure just because you are right. negative at the beginning that you're not positive as you're going through the treatment. Correct. Correct. It's called the JCV, J- JCV virus. And mm-hmm. basically, yeah, the PML is just an opportunistic viral infection of the brain that can lead, it can lead to death. So Tisabri is one of the drugs that have showed potential uh, deaths caused by PML while they were on drug in the study. Um, But so, yeah, so the, or going back real quickly. So you have the fingolamide and that was, and then that also went with the one that um, Bobby, are you, you're not still on that because you're on Ocarus, right? Correct. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so you, so that one and the, um, Tech, uh, Tech It's hard to pronounce that one. Tech Rodera. Um, yeah. 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 Right. And so the so other that's also, just, what are the other eight then? Cause those are the really only two I've heard of. Um, like are the other eight like, you don't have to say it. We don't have enough time, but like the, the other eights, are they just like generics or. No, there's no there's, uh, so like what on top of my head, there's Maven clad. So that's another one, but that one's a little bit more extensive, mm. um, just because it's more of like the chemo side. Oh, so, got it. yeah. Okay, cool. Let's talk about yeah. the, uh, let's talk about the infusions. Okay. So the first infusion that came out to into market was the Tisabri. Mm-hmm. Um, the Tisabri, you have to get the blood work model blood work it's a monoclonal antibody so it works um to hamper movement of these immune cells from crossing the blood blood brain barrier um and then this is the first one that came to market that really showed about the increased risk of pml where it had people um potentially die on um during the trial because of the pml and then they started realizing they had to do this blood work monitoring because of the increased risk um yeah, of that month. of that virus once yep. a month yeah once a month yep you get to sovereign infused once a month is it long is it um, infusion is it like is it like uh what you guys are doing or is it shorter i think it's shorter the, for the people that i've been able to talk to it's it's shorter it's, it's not shorter. Long. Mm-hmm. Okay. yeah it's shorter 
Um, it's, I think what it's showed online was typically, and I'm, I've never been on to Sabri, but with the information, um, in the PI, it was about two hours. Okay. That's pretty quick. It is about what it showed. I could be wrong about that, but that's what I, what my research showed. Yeah. Um, and so, um, Okravest, uh, is another one. And so that one is, um, it has a, um, with the very first infusion that you get, they split the dose. So you're going to end up having to take Ocrevus. Like say you had it on December, um, January 1st, you would do half the dose and then you would come two weeks later and get the other half. And then they also have a pre-protocol where they give you, um, they give you Tylenol. They, you get a, a dose of, so, uh, steroids and then um also benadryl and so and then you also get infused the ocrevus and so that takes it's only every six months but um you so you twice a year you're getting that okay so twice a year so this is sure. the one that you chose because you said it had been around the longest used for something else can you explain that part yeah. Now that one, I, I don't know. It doesn't show when you look up Ocrevus, it's not, it doesn't show that online. Um, I just know that from my friend that sold it being, and I can't remember the name of the drug before because they, what they did in, during the studies, they changed it from an animal form to human form. And then they went for the relapse, the MS indication. And so I believe it was to treat, um, rheumatoid arthritis. It was on the market for like about 10 years prior to it getting a new indication. Yeah. And you can um, definitely find that. I dug and I found that. So you, you can find that online. So I like that about that drug, um, that it's been around. It's, it's, I mean, ultimately it's been around longer than Tisabri. I mean, it's been, it's been used. They just changed. They just like changed not a chemical, but a, um, what's the word? They, they just changed the the molecule, like how it's born, like how, like it just went from an animal, like type of molecule to a uh, human. Yeah. Form. So really when it comes to the infusions, that one has been around because to how, because to Sabri has been what, uh, 10 years or no? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, but I mean, like you said, people might not, I mean, there's, you know, you have the, in the PI, there's also increased risk of, um, infection, um, respiratory infections, really probably two weeks post, um, infusion. And then I thought it's interesting too, especially with all the, um, recent talk and everyone getting, um, vaccinated, um, that this particular drug, you have to, like, if, if you wanted to get, um, vaccinated for coronavirus, you would have not been able to get vaccinated within a certain window of time before or after that drug. And in fact, there's, I think a couple of studies, not many, because obviously we're only a couple of years into this potent, this particular um, vaccination, but um, for coronavirus, corona, um, but they don't think it, it makes it less effective, essentially. The drug makes, yeah. 
So I don't know, you know, um, yeah, I, I get all that. General, I, get, though, I get all the medical, medical stuff from my doctor friends in medscape.com. They send me all of the talks between neurologists talking about COVID and talking about that. That is what they talk about the most actually is the infusion ones. There's never conversations about the COVID vaccine and Covaxin or the COVID vaccine and the, or it's always the infusion. So it's very interesting and it's something to dig into and don't just take it lightly. Right. Yeah. yeah so, um, yeah. Uh, so there's that one. So you have obviously the Desabri, uh, that's done once a month. Then you have the Ocrevus that's done twice a year. And then you also have what is called, which is not used very often. It's Novantrin and it's used to treat cancer patients. It's actually used to treat cancer patients, um, but it's not really used. It's an infusion. It's one of the infusions, but um, it's not really used very often. It's yeah. used in sometimes if someone's worsening quickly, secondary progressive, but um, it is for relapsing remitting. It's not used um, really at all. Is that Lemtrata? What were you going to say, Bobby? Is that Lemtrata? No, Vantrin. Oh, no, Vantrin. There's another one, Lemtrata. So it's a two-year, and then after that, you're monitored. There's no more, like, treatments, and then they kind of readjust, and sometimes it's every five years. Wow. Yeah, that one's not... So that one's not very used a lot. Yeah. Uh, and it depends on your neurologist, honestly. That's really what it comes down to is your neurologist yeah. who you're seeing. Yeah, you have to take the Novantrin again every three months um, or four times a year, essentially eight to 12 doses. And you have nausea, hair thinning, decreased white blades. I mean, everything you would think because it's a, can- it's a potential, can- it's a cancer um, therapy. So, but yeah, like so those two aren't really, some of these drugs actually, at least when I was diagnosed and actually up until a couple of years ago, um, every neurologist was going to tell you something different. So at the very beginning, there's no way in hell that they would have started me on a infusion because the infusions are, you know, uh, what I've been told now, like at least two years ago, well, at this point, your MS your MS, they say that on me, your MS uh, as appears to have progressed to the point where you are eligible to get those infusions. Now, Copaxone, sure, you could do that. You could do the injective, but it's probably at this point in the, in the disease. So it's interesting that you're saying that, you know, so, so it's interesting that people are starting right on these infusions instead of using other kind of safer methods. Like, why do they jump right into the infusions for newly diagnosed? diagnosed. That's the part I don't understand. So I would say the only one that's being used for new, like early, or, or, you know, relapsing remitting, you just got diagnosed is the Ocrevus fusion. And I think because it's shown to be the most safe and effective drug, um, it's not, it doesn't have as many side effects as some of the, or, I mean, if you look at the PI, I'm not, I mean, I'm just even talking about how my neurologist approached it. Although I was on it, or I was been diagnosed for 10, 12 years, Prior to that, but I also, when I was in Wyoming, um, took a new uh, college-age student that I um, to, that was diagnosed with MS down the Colorado hospital, and I saw how the doctor 
went with her through, and this was just three years ago. Um, and he put, he was like, Okravis, you have, you have to go on Okravis. And so I, I don't know. I just think that's probably the only infusion. I don't think to Sabri, I think that infusion from my understanding and talking to other MS patients and neurologists is that a lot of times Tassabri is put in for patients that are having, um, progression in their, in the, or, or their symptoms are more severe because it's a definitely a, in fact, in the, I think there's some studies that show a 70% relapse rate reduction with Tassabri, but obviously it comes with, um, uh, the, it's more of a severe, you know, drug potential mm-hmm. with side effects. So Sabri is yeah. another one that, that, that I don't think they usually put on for a newly diagnosed patient. Interesting. Re- yeah. I mean, but I think still know that I think a, a lot of times you, the, the, the patient where our advocates have a choice, like the neurologist will put you on really almost probably whatever, you know, like, Hey, if you're an advocate, like I want to go on this one, they probably will and try to advocate just for you to be on it. Cause they're big on wanting you to be on something. Yeah, yeah. They're also big on getting paid for it, but we won't talk about that now. Will we, um, it's actually two 30. So we're running out of time. So we're going to have to do, um, nutrition and, um, we'll have to have an, an episode, um, strictly for non-pharmaceutical people such as myself that cringe when I think about pharmaceutical drugs. Um, so we'll, we're going to have to come back to that, but Tara, that was so helpful. Like, seriously, I did. Yeah. Know- and I'm sorry. I just, yeah. I, I mean, there's so much more you could talk about, but I knew yeah. really, like as far as how it work, but you really aren't going to, your neurologist isn't going to talk to you probably about how they work. And right. you just have to know like how dosed, what the side effects are and how yeah. it, you know, how your lifestyle really will fit in with, with that. Right. Yeah. And I would, Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say like, you know, you kind of have to choose what you want to do and yeah, you really don't know what's the best choice for you to do in the very beginning. So what you can't really go hindsight on yourself, like whatever you choose, like whatever happens, it happens. And it doesn't mean that you go on treatment. It doesn't mean that you can't, you know, have a holistic side as well. Like, I feel like the two can go in together. Um, but it's really up to you what you want to do. Like for me personally, I feel like Ocrevus has been the best treatment. I have been on and off treatment for years apart and I've had horrible experiences with the past four treatments. And I honestly, what's that? When the first one or the first two you try might not be the one for you and you might have to try another one you know, it depends on if you don't want to give up, like you didn't, like you went free and then you went. Yeah. And that's when I really learned my holistic side and it, I was, I was doing really great and three years and I had a horrible relapse and it just showed me, I'm like, you know what? I can have both because I feel like there's just pressure out there. Like you only can do one or the other, but that's not true. Like you can do both if you feel that's the right path for you. And just because it works for someone doesn't mean it's gonna work for you, but maybe it will work for you. But it really just comes down to a choice and going with that choice. And if it works great, if it doesn't, now it's time to look elsewhere. Yeah, like you're not locked locked into it. So that's a great example of showing that once you start something, you, you, it's your body. Like, no, you don't need them to tell you to do it. If if you're not feeling it, stop. So I think that's, that's a huge 
key that a lot of people don't understand. You can start something, and but you don't have to keep taking it. Um, yeah. Now, I feel like that's where people get the feeling like I failed. Like mm-hmm. I, or just, they just yeah, just they don't try something else. Yeah. But we all go through those emotions, right? We always experience those. Like, oh, I did this; it didn't work for me. Like my yeah. MS is going to do whatever it wants. I can't yeah. have control. Like we yeah. all experience those feelings, right? And I feel like it's a part of the journey, yeah. which, you know, it's just how, it's just how it really goes. It's how we grow. Mm-hmm. And all our bodies respond differently to different things. I yeah. mean, even holistically, what, what works for one person and all of a sudden shows great benefit might not work for another person. So we have to pay attention to our bodies, how it's working, what's working, what's not. Um, yeah. And be, yeah, yeah continue to be. And for those that don't know, when you're on the World Wide Web, you can look up. So say you, you know, you find these drugs that, she, that Tara was sharing. You can look up the definition. You can look up the, the, what the actual drug is and then type in NIH study after it or type in, you know, let's say to Sabri, to Sabri plus um, NIH medical journal or medical and, and get into the, you can get into the weeds if you want to, I'm a biology major. I wanted to, so it's out there for you. You might have to dig a little bit harder, but you can find answers out there. You don't have to just listen to what other people are telling you. All right. Thanks for joining us. All right. Bye. Bye.